When you're done listening to this podcast, check out mine. It's called Beer in Front. Every week I talk about a classic beer that maybe we've forgotten along the way. I'll also talk about new beers that have potential to be classics. As the Chicago beer guy, I also talk a lot about great craft beers in the city of Chicago. That's Beer in Front, wherever you listen to podcasts. Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Carlos Allende, author of the new book, Coffee, Shopping, Murder, Love. If you've ever wondered, what would it be like to find a dead body inside your freezer that your roommate keeps in the garage? Then you'll want to check out this book. There's a lot more going on, but that's, that's how it starts, is in chapter one, there's a murder. And that's the mark, I think, of a very interesting book. Carlos talks about how writing two books prior to this has helped shape his characters and focus for this book, why he likes to write characters that people don't really enjoy rooting for, but they do it anyway. He also talks about some of the events he's got coming up and how they have all helped him grow as a writer. There's lots of good stuff in here. So if you ever have wanted to write a book or get more insight into just the writing process in general, you want to just be a better writer, definitely want to listen into what Carlos has to say. And if you want even more of that beyond this episode, head on over to goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Sign up for a newsletter that shares all kinds of resources, tips, advice, lots of good stuff. So you don't miss out on anything in helping you reach your goals. And after you do that, sit back, relax, and listen to this delightful conversation with Carlos. For people who maybe aren't familiar with you, can you give us your name and elevator pitch? But also tell us the type of elevator we're riding on. I'm Carlos Allende. I'm a writer, and I'm also a media psychologist. I write uh, satire and uh, dark comedy, and I make fun of everyone. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, but I try to uh, I try to have a message. And uh, as a media psychologist, uh, we study how media affects behavior, and specifically, I study uh, how to make stories more engaging. I teach a class on uh, at uh, UCLA Extension of the psychology of compelling storytelling. So that's what I focus my research on on how to what it is that engages us in a story. Can we get a sneak peek as if we were in the class? Do you have like one one quick takeaway? Yeah, it's the same elements as in a game. It's you have to have a goal, a very clear goal. If you don't have a if you if your reader doesn't understand what the goal is, they won't be able to engage. You have a series of challenges, like in any game. Uh if the problem is solved too easily, it is boring. And if it's too difficult, as in a game, you get frustrated and you leave. Uh, so you always always have to have hope. And uh, you have to have rules, which is something that we always have, but we don't think much about. And uh, like in a game, if you don't understand the rules, you're not going to have fun. You're you're not going to know what to do. So rules allow readers to uh, predict what may happen next. They limit what could happen in the story. And um, so that's the essence of my course. And then I talk about a lot of uh, stuff. My my PhD dissertation was on the, the motivational uh, 
the motivational effect of compassion in securing engagement. <laughs> I uh, propose, uh, yeah, it, it is, it is a, a long uh, title. I propose a, a solution to the uh, sadness paradox or tragedy paradox, why we enjoy sad stories if they make us sad. So we don't enjoy them because they make us sad. We enjoy them because they uh, make us, they arouse our compassion and compassion is motivating. We want to know what will happen with the characters. We worry about them. We fall in love, in love with them a little bit and, and compassion energizes you and once uh, makes you want to help uh, motivate altruism. And that's why we engage with readers. And, and that I, I, in my opinion, that applies to any kind of story, not just uh, sad stories. So that's a, that's a real pitch. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Now we're going to talk about your latest book, but let's go all the way back. Do you remember the first thing that you ever wrote? I always wanted to be a writer, but I never got serious on it. Um, I started writing a novel when I was, I guess, 17. And it was the cheesiest novel. I still have the <laughs> manuscript. I never finished it. And I was trying to, uh, I was imitating uh, Victor Hugo because I was very impressed by uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And uh, it was pretty bad. Uh, but, it was, but it was a good exercise. So I guess I learned a lot about it. Yeah, I think 17 is probably earlier than a lot of a lot of people try to attempt a novel. So I think that was yeah. a great, yeah, great foundation for everything. And now your your latest book, Coffee Shopping Murdered Love, comes out. I'll have to do some June math. 21. Yeah, I was trying I was trying to think of when this if this would air before or after, but we'll say we'll just say your new book. Your new book. Okay. <laughs> a very good read. Very excited for people to read it. What was the inspiration behind it? Well, a lot of things and uh uh I would say the first one is I um, I had a friend who was very very negative and uh, he macabre. He likes a lot of um, um, dark stuff and uh, and uh, long story short, he broke up with his boyfriend and he was very depressed. And I said, Oh, I'm going to write that story. And uh, but I ended up writing a completely different story, but based on him, I said, I want to make something about someone who's, uh, I want people to root for him, but he's not going to be the nicest person. But then I realized that didn't work and I started changing it and uh, uh, something completely different uh, happened. And uh, and I also had uh, a recurring nightmare when I was a teenager. Or maybe, yeah, when I was a teenager, I used to dream that I killed someone and that I had to uh, hide the body. And I would wake up with the feeling that I was guilty, that I had murdered someone. I had to uh, hide the body from my mother. And the, the dream was very vivid. I mean, I had a corpse and she was watching TV in the living room and I had to get the corpse out of the house. <laughs> and it was it was such a horrible sensation. And I would wake up convinced that I had killed someone, but I just couldn't remember who who. I have killed, and then I, I said, "Well, I want I want to share that feeling." And I guess uh, analyzing my dreams, I realized that uh, that the the corpse represented my shame for being gay. I mean, it's a shame that uh, that it shouldn't exist, but it's imposed by society. 
that's the way I felt. And uh, and I guess I wanted my readers to to feel that, but I didn't want my book to be just about uh, shaming people and making people feel miserable. And so so it 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 was a, a dark comedy. So I mixed the elements of a of the negative friend that I that I was inspired on, and uh, then that nightmare. And the central motive in the book is trying to get rid of a body. And then uh, people in my life. I I had uh, I have two previous books which weren't uh, that successful, but uh, people that read them told me that they were very good. They were were very well written, and, and uh, they took a lot of effort. And then I realized I don't want to work that hard anymore. I don't want to do that much research. So I. I just wrote about people I knew. And I totally changed the circumstances. I changed the names. I just told their personalities. So I could say that that, that many of the characters uh, are inspired by real people. I just, I just took them as if they were actors and I gave them different roles and different circumstances. And, and, um, and I didn't have much time to write it. I, I was attending a workshop called uh, Writer's Block. It doesn't exist in LA anymore. I think it, ex- it still exists online. Um, it was very good. Uh, we met every Wednesday at a church in Santa Monica. And it was a lot of fun. And I didn't have a lot of time because I was, uh, back then I was doing my PhD. And I only had two hours every week. Uh, so I would just write, 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 write. And I wouldn't care about that. I would write just about what I wanted to see in the book. I wouldn't care how the events would connect. And that was a good uh, way to write it because it forced me to just write. And then, of course, I went through many, 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 many edits. But uh, but I just cranked it. And because I cranked it up, uh, <clears throat> because I didn't want to invent characters, I just based them in, in real people. And <laughs> I made them look like horrible. <laughs> but, uh, most of them are actually really, really, really nice people. <laughs> well, then they'll never know. They'll never know it's about them, right? <laughs> uh, well, one of or them maybe. knows. The, <laughs> the, the friend that inspired Charlie, I totally stole his personality. And he's a really smart guy. Very, very nice. Very uh, politically correct. Um, but he loves to digress when he talks. And uh, he knows he's happy with it. He he's his game. He he actually read a little bit, and I made a YouTube video of him reading, and and he likes it. Nice. He's happy with it. Nice. That's I think that's all you can ask for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you mentioned that you've got your two other books. So this is your third book. So you're a professional by now. You've got you know this is a piece of cake to write a book. I'm totally kidding. Uh, but from what what did you learn from those first two books that you were able to apply? You said. You don't. You didn't want to do as much research, but like, what else were you able to to take from what you had learned from those first two? Well, the first one was a historical drama set in during the War of Reform in Mexico. That was in Spanish. I did a lot of uh, historical research, and I was enamored with the classics, especially with Balzac and uh, Victor Hugo, and uh, and then Tolstoy. And I was very ambitious, and I mean, like, I guess. Many aspiring writers begin like that. They're in love with uh, the classics. And they want to rewrite uh, uh, something like War and Peace. I wanted to write the Mexican version. 
And uh, and then I realized I, I didn't know how to engage people. I, I knew how to write. Um, and the story was good, but I ended up cutting a lot of it uh, because it just didn't add to the story. And it's not the same writing in the 19th century where uh, you have no competition from TV, from radio, from the internet. And um, But nowadays, uh, well, when you engage, it's... Uh, you devote time and attention on a task that is potentially rewarding and you compare it to everything else. So I'm going to read this book because it's going to be more rewarding than watching TV or playing a game, etc. Uh, but not all the time. So what I learned after writing that book is that uh, just uh, beautiful prose doesn't make it. And uh, it's not enough. It helps. It makes your story clearer. It makes it more enjoyable. But that doesn't guarantee that your book will be engaging. And uh, and I ended up uh, cutting a lot. And uh, the second book, uh, pretty much the same. It was a little bit like, I'm going to dumb it down a little bit, I said. And I still did a lot of research. Uh, it's, uh, it's a dark, I call it a horror farce. It's a dark comedy set in Venice, throughout uh, Venice, California throughout the um, first half of the 20th century. I did a lot of research again and uh, about beatniks and about witches and about the history of Venice. And, uh, and it was good, but, uh, but uh, I, I didn't have a central goal, I think. It was two books in one. It's, it's, it's too good, and I, I'm, I'm very proud of it, and I really liked it. So the third, I thought, like, I'm just going to make a crank crank this up, make it super commercial, make it. And then at the same time, I was uh, trying to apply what I was learning at school. And then I realized I created my my little formula. And that's what I said. Uh, you have to turn your story into a game. You have to impose a goal as soon as possible. So the motor is on the first chapter. The series of challenges and the basic rules that you stick to. Uh, if you break your own rules, it's like playing uh, a game with a child that keeps breaking the rules. So it's very important that, that we writers become aware of our own rules. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I guess by the third, I knew how to make a story engaging. And uh, I'm still working on that uh, for the next book. I like it. I like it. And uh, the... Uh... The rules being complicated really, really speaks to me because I feel like the last two or three games I've tried to play have just been uh-huh. over the top complex. And I'm like, well, let's just let's go back to something simpler. <laughs> yes. Yes. We like things simply, simple, sorry. And uh, we don't we don't want things to be too complicated. We don't want them to be too easy either. Exactly. Exactly. Now, one of your marketing efforts is. Just going to your website, you have a lot of events that you've been doing. We were talking beforehand, yeah. the LA Times Festival of Books. We were maybe like five booths away from each other, but hadn't met yet. So, so now we're meeting. It's uh-huh. great times. And you, you have a lot more coming up. You have different readings. Are there certain events or marketing um, strategies that you've seen that have worked better? Or does it kind of depend on the event? Well, I would say just pretend that you're a salesperson and just grab people I was in Philadelphia. My book is very campy, it's very dark. It's about uh, is dark comedy. Uh, my target audience are gay men. Uh, I say thirty and older, and uh, I was just pulling people from the crowd, and I said, "Hey, you, you look gay. Come over. You like gay comedy?" 
<laughs> yeah, you cannot do that with every book. But uh, people would come, and nowadays we live in a society where it's okay to uh, call people by their... <laughs> by just, you look gay, yeah, okay. So uh, 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 this is my book, take a look, blah, blah, blah. And uh, people have to like you. And uh, And I was aggressive, but in a nice way. I would say, uh, don't be shy. I, I'm not that way um, in uh, in my everyday life. So forget about uh, uh, forget about yourself. Think about selling your book. Become a salesperson when you're at an event. Talk to people. Ask their names. Care about them. I mean, uh, there's a guy that I uh, really like, uh, Robert Cialdini. He has his book, Influence. He talks about how to uh, uh, persuade people. And uh, the first rule is they have to like you. You have to offer them something. I was offering them uh, invitations to an event or I was showing them the book. I had three teas in the first event, et cetera, et cetera. And um, you, uh, you have to uh, care them. They have to know who they uh, you are. And, and I mean, I don't know what else to add, but... Uh, I would say just just become a salesperson and forget about yourself. Yeah, I think that might be easier said than done for some people, but I agree. I think like the the yelling at people was almost kind of what we started adopting, and the LA Times Festival of Books being a two day event. I think you could really kind of learn on Saturday like what people responded to more, and then on Sunday like really hone that in. And yeah, it was like, hey, you know, I like your shirt, or like, hey, that bag you're carrying is super interesting, and it that piques their interest because you're relating to them as opposed yeah. to just like immediately buy my book it's like hey i'm noticing yeah. you and now you're kind of like oh okay I'll come, I'll come check it out and yeah of course you're gonna get the people that like so one of the other writers i was with had written a book about the malibu wildfires from mm-hmm. a few years back so some people would come and just like batter him with questions and then they'd leave and he's like you know all of that's in the book like they could have just bought the book and saved yeah saved the the breath that they just spent there but some people are just going to come to chat. And I think that's even cool, too, because you're meeting people from all over. Like, people are coming from out of town and, like, even out of the country, I feel like, sometimes for this event, which was super cool. You have to ask for a commitment. I mean, I wouldn't ask people, uh, you want to uh, buy the book? Uh, I would say, hey, uh, uh, do you want me to sign it for you? And they say, oh, yes. And, okay, it's, uh, you can pay to this girl here. And, uh, <laughs> and that's it. Exactly. Yeah, the signing is. It's a nice, a nice little perk for people. They're just like, oh, okay. This is an authentic one. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> now, something else that I like to ask is a question that you wish you were asked more frequently. And I really like yours here. Of, and we're kind of touching a little bit on this with the psychology, but why do you make the reader root for horrible people? Uh, that's a thing that, uh, uh, for several reasons. One, I guess, gays... We have been maligned for a, a long time, and I mean, I I like to say that I belong to pretty much the last generation that was born. I, I mean, I'm not that not everyone. I'm not that old, uh, and I'm not that young either. But uh, uh, I was born in the 70s. Let's put it that way, the late 70s. So let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, no, uh, more like the mid 70s. But uh, you round up, round up. It's uh, yeah, I uh, I was born. Uh, I, my generation never thought that we could be uh, free, uh, freely gay, that they, we could marry and stuff. And then things started changing 
really fast uh, in the 90s and then uh, in the 2000s. And, and then, well, uh, uh, marriage equality, uh, uh, gay marriage is legal, etc. So, Stuber, uh, when I was a kid, I thought that was there was something wrong with me. And, um, and then you find out, no, there's nothing wrong with you. And uh, new generations don't, uh, are not, don't, don't grow up with that shame or shame or guilt. And uh, so you feel like you're a bad person. And, um, and we identify with villains because you're, bad, you're a bad person yourself. I mean, you grow up with that uh, wrong belief. And uh, uh, there's, a, there's a, a YouTuber, I forgot his name. He talks a lot about uh, uh, gays in media. And uh, he has a video about uh, Disney villains, how they, a lot of them are uh, gays or inspired in gay people, like Ursula from uh, The Little Mermaid, and Prince John from Robin Hood, and, um, or, I mean, pretty campy gays. I mean, there's a lot of uh, gay uh, themes in in Disney movies, but very hidden. And uh, and gay people love that because they identified with those villains. Scar from from The Lion King. And um, so, in part, you identify with them, that's why we like Divine from John Waters. Uh, younger people won't uh, know who Divine is, but uh, if you know, I mean, she's she's great and uh, and she's horrible. And uh, and then and then and also in especially in American uh, pop culture, you don't see this so much in in uh, uh, European literature and 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 um, Spanish literature. But uh, in European, in, in American literature, you always root for the good guy, and in the movies, you always root for the good guy. Not always, but uh, you have exceptions for that. And uh, with Balzac, for instance, who's one of my favorite writers, you sometimes—I mean, everybody's horrible in in uh, the uh, uh, human comedy, and uh, you sometimes root for people who don't deserve uh, your compassion, but 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 they have it, and and I think. Uh, it allows you to understand um, more about human nature, and when you identify with a immoral person in in a story, you realize that uh, that the world doesn't divide in the good and the bad. Because if you grow up thinking that the world divides into the good and the bad, you tend to identify with the good people. And uh, and you think of yourself uh, as a good person, and I think well, most of us are good people. I don't believe in good and bad. I think some people are more selfish than others, and that's why they they can uh, commit crimes and, and, and be immoral. Uh, but I tend we all uh, we all tend to uh, uh, by nature we're not we're not we're, we don't we're not born horrible. And that, but if you identify with horrible, immoral people, then you can realize you can you can be that way sometimes, and then you become aware of that, and you don't grow up thinking that you are by default the good guy, and you realize when you're being selfish and abusive. And I guess uh, with uh, Jignesh and Char- Charlie, uh, they do horrible, selfish things that we all can do sometimes. And if you if you realize that you can be like them sometimes, but you are aware that those things are wrong then you say, okay, uh, you may reflect about your behavior. Uh, when you always identify with the good guys, like superheroes, superheroes are always the good guys and they always fight for against crime and, 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 and for liberty and freedom and whatever. 
And uh, but they can do terrible things that they are not considered immoral because they're doing it for the greater good. And then we may come to think, oh, it's okay if we break the rules because we're doing we're breaking the rules for the greater good, and the greater good is our personal good. So I want people to reflect a little bit and and, and realize that, that sometimes we are the villains that we can do uh, horrible stuff too. <laughs> I remember reading, uh, I don't remember where it was, but some article that calculated all the damage that superheroes do to cities. And it's, yeah, it's like, they're always saying, yeah, it's for the greater good. And I'm like, you just racked up like $800 million in property damage. Yeah. Like, it's, not, it's not great. So hopefully no one's done done anything like that in, in their lives. And their, their uh, quote unquote bad actions are not, not that terrible. I want to go back a little bit to something you mentioned of your next book. So do you do you have a fourth book already in the works? I uh, I'm working on it. It's not, it's not uh, I I don't have a complete draft yet. Can we get a scoop or is it still still under wraps for now? Um yeah, and um I've been working on it for a while and um it's about uh, I mean, I have this I I I like macabre stuff. I like uh, witches and uh but I don't like gore. I don't I don't like um uh, I like uh, creepy stuff. So it's about a little gay kid that goes to work for a witch, and um, he wants to uh, he wants to learn magic to uh, uh, get revenge on the bullies that take advantage of him. So I'm, uh, but he also uh, he might be. I haven't decided on that, but he might be transgender. He's super ultra gay. <laughs> Mike, I like. I go, my characters are, um, I tend to write for uh, the marginal people, the ones that uh, that are not the, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that transgender people are marginal, but uh, mine is overweight. He's not that smart. He's, uh, he doesn't have a lot of uh, good qualities, but uh, uh, you, I guess you end up liking him. And uh and uh, he wants to be, uh, he also wants to, uh, uh, he wants to be pretty, he wants to be uh, popular, he wants to uh, do that. And then um, uh, this is a macabre stuff. Uh, one of the witches, uh, it sounds so dumb when I tell this story, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, so the witches have uh, this uh, bridge uh, tournament club that all the witches in Los Angeles attend. And one of them um, gets into uh, the body of a dead woman, a, a young dead woman. So the other witches get impressed. So it's like a pull-on uh, bodysuit, and they want one for themselves. So uh, the kid ends up being alone in the house uh, because of certain circumstances. He ends up with the body himself. Uh, and uh, he is right now. I that's where I am right. And he's deciding whether to wear it or not to go out and about in the city. So wearing the the, the body of a beautiful young woman. What a decision! <laughs> so it sounds too stupid. I mean, at this point, but uh, I, I I'm hoping to write something uh, smart. I'm interested to see where it goes okay. from there. Where it goes from there. All right, you're almost off the hook, but we always like to wrap up with a top three. For you, let's hear your top three modern composers. 
Well, I like to. Uh, I like a lot minimalistic music. Uh, I I like. Uh, my favorite would be Max Richter, Johan Johansson, who unfortunately died, but uh, a, a new album just came out. I like Philip Glass, but he's not a good choice for writing because he's too loud. <laughs> he's good for working out, and um, yeah, that's what I like: minimalistic music and very snobby in my uh, musical taste. Um, that's that's what I that listen when I when I write. Uh, I can't I can't read uh, I can't uh, listen to uh, anything uh, song, uh, no lyrics, please. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard when you're writing because then it's just you end up writing the song and then uh, then you get sued for copyright infringement of just writing like a Queen song or whatever in your yeah. book. <laughs> I, I I had to take out some lyrics from the book. Uh, so there was there was a part in which Charlie is so excited about going to uh, uh, La Chinette and Tola and, uh, but he doesn't know the lyrics for the opera. So he starts singing the Disney lyrics, and I had to take them out. <laughs> the mouse strikes oh, again. Uh, the, the Cinderella, yeah. <laughs> well, Carlos, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This was a lot of fun. Definitely, everyone listening, go out and buy these books because they are very enjoyable. If people want to learn more about you, want to check out the books, where can they find you? Uh, it's going to be everywhere, I suppose. Here in LA, I have a lunch party at uh, Diesel Bookstore in Santa Monica. I'm going to be at Village. Uh, oh my God, what is it? It's in Culver City. I'm going to be in Book Soup eventually in August. I'm going to be traveling to San Francisco by the end of the month. And uh, so if you Google Coffee Shopping Motor Love, it's it's it seems it's, it's going to be everywhere. And of course, the big ones. And, uh, but uh, if you can buy it in one of the um, uh, neighborhood bookstores, yeah, support local. You, yeah, I like it. Support local, or Red Hand Press. You can you can go to the website of Red Hand Press. Coffee shopping, motor love. Love it. Well, Carlos, thank you again. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, and we gotta end with a corny joke, as we always do. Two books are chatting with one another, and one says, "Hey, you look so much thinner." And the second says, "Thanks, I have my appendix removed." <laughs> Get after it today, people. <laughs> yeah. That's a dumb joke. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.